helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. I've had several conversations lately about the need to obey unconstitutional acts. Uh, Claims that the public needs to obey executive orders and that decisions from the Supreme Court or the Supreme Law of the land have become, well, common, both on my social media and on other channels. Which brings up an interesting question. Do the American people have a legal responsibility to follow unconstitutional laws and acts? Not according to one of our founding fathers and, by the way, the Supreme Court of the United States. You see, there are consequences of blindly following the illegal acts of others, including thinking they are the laws we need to obey. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution, teach, rise, and generation be free. I'm glad you could join me today. It's an interesting combination. There's some news that I want to talk about, but it's predicated on something I've been talking about a lot lately, mostly because people keep coming up to me claiming that uh, we don't get to choose, that we don't have control over our government. It's basically what they're saying, right? If they do something unconstitutional, we just have to live with it. It frequently revolves around, well, we have to wait and see what the Supreme Court says, because the Supreme Court is the supreme law, except they're not. Let me give you the details. Once I set this stage, I think the rest will make a little bit more sense. So let's start with the the concept of supreme law. Now, Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution states quite clearly that this Constitution and the laws of the United States will shall, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. And the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, anything in the constitutional laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. So that, you know, little basic English, that's very simple, right? The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Laws of the United States which follow, which pursue the Constitution, are also considered the supreme law of the land. And treaties that, are, that have been made under the authority of the United States, which comes from the Constitution of the United States, are also the supreme law of the land. So those three things are the supreme law of the land, but notice they're all based on the Constitution. A law that is not made pursuant to the Constitution is not the supreme law of the land. Now, Alexander Hamilton described this in Federalist Paper Number 78, where he said, There is no position which depends on clearer principles than that every act of a delegated authority, contrary to the tenor of the commission under which it is exercised, is void. Well, ladies and gentlemen, every act of a government in the United States is a delegated authority. We delegate to governments power through, our, through their constitutions. And in fact, the Tenth Amendment is quite clear. It says the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution. So we delegate powers to the United States. And if you, I don't know how all the states put it, but most of the states say that all power is inherent in the people and they delegate powers to the state government via their constitution. So all the power that a government exercises is a delegated authority. And if they act contrary to the tenor of that commission, 
Well, the, the, that, actress, that act is void. It, it's empty. It's meaningless. In fact, Mr. Hamlin went on to say, no legislative act, therefore, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. To deny this would to affirm that the deputy is greater than his principal, that the servant is above his master, that the representatives of the people are superior to the people themselves, that men acting by virtue of powers may do not only what their powers do not authorize, but what they forbid. He said the idea that an, an act of Congress, a legislative act contrary to the Constitution is valid, is as nuts as saying the deputy is greater than the principal that the servant is above the master, and that the representatives of the people are superior to the people themselves. Think about that last one for just a minute. If Congress can do what we have not authorized them to do, they rule over us. And Alexander Hamilton, that's nuts. That's as crazy as saying, oh, let's take account an example, right? In your county, let's say the deputy, is the deputy mayor superior to the mayor? Is the, de is the sheriff's deputy greater than the sheriff? No. But that's exactly what happens when we allow our representatives to act in ways we have not authorized. This is no longer the consent of the governed, as the Declaration says. It's crazy. But we've become so used to it that probably millions of people believe it's absolutely fine for Congress to act unconstitutionally because, well, they're just taking care of us. They're, they're trying to protect us, and uh, you know we have to follow them because they're our leaders. No, they're our servants. Remember, we used to call them public servants. Those in Congress serve us. Those in our state legislatures and our governors serve us. They are the servant. We are the master. And courts used to recognize this. Courts used to recognize that um, unconstitutional acts are void. But no more. At least it doesn't seem to be. I, they may find something unconstitutional, but courts have come to believe that um, they can simply overrule they can decide on their own to, to, to overrule acts of, of the, the government, regard whether they're, they're constitutional or not. It all comes back to this case, Marbury versus Madison, where if you study today's literature, says that this is where the court assumed the authority of judicial review to review whatever Congress does and decide. And that decision must be followed by all 50 states. That's the current understanding of judicial review. There's just a wee little problem with that. That's not what the court said in Marbury versus Madison. In fact, I don't even believe the term judicial review may even exist in that, but that's not my point. Um, if we read the Marbury versus Madison case, we find that it is the, the, the Chief Justice Marshall wrote in the opinion, it is emphatically the province and duty of the judicial department to say what the law is. And a lot of people stop there. They say, oh, see, he gets to say, they get to say what the law is. Read the rest of the paragraph. Those who apply the rule to particular cases must of necessity expound and interpret that rule. If two laws conflict with each other, the court must decide on the operation of each. Now, he said just a little later that uh, the, the court must determine which of these conflicting rules govern the case. This is the very essence of judicial duty. 
Notice he doesn't say something about over, overruling Congress as a whole. He says, listen, if you have a case and you have two laws and those laws are in conflict, we must determine which of those rules, which of those laws is going to govern the case. That is our duty. Now, he goes on with a lot of other um, uh, you know, judicial uh, uh, language, but he ends up here. Certainly, all those who have framed written constitutions contemplate them as framing the fundamental and paramount law of the nation. And consequently, the theory of every such government must be that an act of the legislature repugnant to the Constitution is void. Thus, the particular phraseology of the Constitution in the United States confirms and strengthens the principle supposed to be essential to all written constitutions that a law repugnant to the Constitution is void and that courts as well as other departments are bound by that document. Notice that no, the Constitution is the supreme law of land. It doesn't say the courts. He doesn't say we get to simply rule however we wish. That's not the language that uh, Chief Marshall used in that case. But so often we act that way. How, how many people were told that um, Roe v. Wade was the supreme law of the land? or I should say, was the law of the land. It never was law because it was an act contrary to the Constitution. So the interesting thing is, Marbury versus Madison is really a question about did Congress have the authority to tell the Supreme Court that they had the authority to order another branch of government to do something? And the answer was no. The Constitution did not delegate to Congress the authority to tell the 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 courts, that they could issue what's called a writ of mandamus, that they could order around another branch of government. And that's where that ended. Now, that was one case. There are more. Uh, take, for example, the case Ex parte Siebold, where we read, an unconstitutional is, I'm sorry, an unconstitutional law is void and is as no law. An offense created by it is not a crime. A conviction under it is not merely erroneous, but is illegal and void and cannot be a legal cause of imprisonment. See, just because a, 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 um, a, a Congress passed this law, if it's unconstitutional, it's void. And in fact, to convict someone under it is not only wrong, it is itself illegal. Even if a court says, yeah, yeah, you can do this, doesn't change the fact because the decision is not based in the court because the court cannot make law. Let me get to that in a second. Before I do that, there's one other one to bring up. It's Norton v. Shelby County. In that we read, an unconstitutional act is not a law. It confers no rights. It imposes no duties. It affords no protection. It creates no office. It is in legal contemplation as an operative as though it had never been passed. Yet we've been led to believe that these unconstitutional acts are laws. That they, they, they impose duties or protections. That they create offices. That, that you can be uh, arrested and convicted based on them. We used to know better, but we've lost that understanding because we've lost a fundamental understanding of government. Let me get back to the courts and law because I hear the, uh, you know, we hear about case law and and uh, and constitutional law. We hear all about this. It ignores two very important uh, 
concepts within the Constitution. Article 1, Section 1, Clause 1, the very first legally binding language in the Constitution, says that all legislative power herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. Legislative power is the power to make law. So if all power to make law is vested in Congress, how can a court make law? Uh, the answer is they can't. See, courts have no power. Going back to Mr. Hamilton in Federalist 78, he wrote, whoever alternatively uh, considers the different departments of power must perceive that in a government in which they are separated from each other, the judiciary, from the nature of its functions, will always be the least dangerous to the political rights of the Constitution, because it will be least in a capacity to annoy or injure them. The executive not only dispenses the honors, but holds the sword of the community. The legislature not only commands the purse, but prescribes the rules by which the duties and rights of every citizen are to be regulated. The judiciary, on the contrary, has no influence over the sword or the purse, no direction over either the strength of the, uh, or of the wealth of the society, and can take no active resolution whatever. It may truly be said to have neither force nor will, but merely judgment. It must ultimately depend upon the aid of the executive, even for the efficacy of its judgments. So those two concepts, that unconstitutional laws must be followed until somebody else says so, and the idea that the courts make law, are both falsehoods. They're, they're, they're lies. But they're lies that have been told often enough that millions of people believe them. Now, I'm not saying there aren't consequences for standing up against the tyranny of, of, of these illegal acts, but they do. we are in this mess because people didn't stand up. And the future is going to be worse if we don't stand up. See, the question we have to ask ourselves, is the United States going to be the land of the free and the home of the brave, or are we going to be the land of the subjected and the home of the coward? If we wish to be free, if we wish to be the masters of our own destiny, then we must have the bravery to stand up to these illegal acts. Now, I highly recommend that you don't go into such a situation metaphorically unarmed. I'm not talking about firepower. I'm talking about armed with information, armed with understanding, armed with arguments that will support your position. Arguments like the one I've been giving you so far. How often have I talked to you about a court case that was lost, and I say in part because the argument was really poorly formed and poorly supported? It's one of the reasons why I created the Patriots program, to find people who are willing to, to learn and study to develop better court cases, to develop the arguments that would stand, that would at least, if brought up in a court of law, should shame the judge into following their oath to support the Constitution. That would you could walk into a uh, a legislative committee hearing, and and point out the lies and crimes that were being committed, and do so not simply because I say so, but here are the facts, here's the evidence, here are the quotes. Why do you think I quoted Alexander Hamilton and the Supreme Court and the Constitution? 
so that I could have a rock-solid bed of foundation upon which to build the argument so that I could support it, whether it be in a court of law, whether it be before a political event, or before a legislative body. And I want more people that can do that. That's why, please, head to the website, constitutionstudy.com. Go to, go to, click the Patriots button, go to the Patriots program, and if you're interested, if you think, even if you think you might be interested, take the boot camp. It's absolutely free, and it'll show you kind of what I'm talking about with examples from my own life of how we do these things, not act as cowards, letting tyrants run our country, let tyrants run our lives. But deciding for ourselves, no, 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 we're going to stand up. And this is how far we'll stand. It, it's an important to recognize that not everybody is going to have the same, um, same willingness to stand up to all forms of tyranny. But if you stand up for what you find important, and I stand up for what I find important, and our neighbor stands up for what they, we can make a difference. But it starts with the American people being informed and willing to stand. Now, part of this process is listening to other points of view, getting information from a lot of different places. Join me, because one of the places I go every day is AmericaOutloud.news. It's a daily stop. I get feed for them every night I'm reading that. It's a great place to get news and information. But we need to do more. See, we're, we are few at the moment. But if we share this information, if we show people that they don't have to obey an illegal master, that they can decide what consequences they'll suffer and that if we join together and protect each other this information can help us secure the blessings of liberty you've all heard dr mccullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed it's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel and be our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health, regulating hormone balance, supporting gut health, to soothing the skin, even reducing the appearance of wrinkles, fine lines, and cellulite, and providing targeted support for mind, mood, energy, and even our body's own production of collagen. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in becoming your best self and fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. 
Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If you join the Constitution study, and today we're talking about the dangers of blindly following, the, 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 the change of the American people from the land of the free to the land of the, the servant, the subject, the person that simply blindly follows what uh, our supposedly public servants tell us. There are a lot of consequences. I'm not going to get to near them all, but there have been a few lately that I think are worth investigating. Uh, let's start off with the latest Title IX conundrum. Um, Title IX is a part of a 1972 law that was designed, this particular title was designed to uh, eliminate sex discrimination within education. All right, let's back up just a second because there's actually something I need to get to before I talk about that. Title IX uh, is in U.S. is in the U.S. Code under Title Twenty of the Code. Um, I think it's like Section, I forget, sixteen eighty one or something like that. But it's just, it was created in 1972, and the problem is the law created an office of education that since has been repealed and has turned to the Department of Education. But here's problem number one. The Constitution does not authorize the federal government to regulate education. I'm not saying whether or not they should. I'm not saying whether or not um, they... Uh, uh, what all of what they're doing is good or bad. The point is, the Constitution does not delegate to Congress or the United States the authority to regulate education. Therefore, this piece of legislature was made not pursuant to the Constitution. It is, again, say it with me, unconstitutional. What does that mean? It's void. It's, it's Hamilton. It's a it's an act of a delegated authority contrary to the tenor of the commission under which they act. They were not authorized to regulate education. Therefore, this law is void. That means this law is as no law at all. This law um, cannot create any crimes. This law cannot create any departments or agency. It confers no rights. It imposes no duties. It creates no, as, as, you know, Norton v. Shelby County. So let me ask you, if Congress passes a law that is flagrantly unconstitutional, are we bound to follow it? Now, what's interesting here is I've been, the, the state of Tennessee is debating um, foregoing federal education dollars. Uh, they had a, 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 a committee meetings, and they've issued an interim report. I've tried to, repeatedly to speak to this group. I've not been able to do so yet, but I wanted to talk to them about the, the constitutionality of this. I, I've, I've skimmed through their interim report. Uh, I haven't read in detail yet, but it talks about the financial issues. It not once seems to talk about the constitutional issues. Now, this constitutional infringement this this violation of the law has been compounded because you know, when president obama was trying to get through uh his agenda through congress um 
and he couldn't, he said, well, I've got a pen and a phone. Well, they've used that these pens and phones in the federal bureaucracies to um, to change try to change the law. They kept trying to change what uh, well you know sex doesn't mean sex now it means something else. Now in 2015, one one bureaucrat in the Department of Education again department that does not legally exist because Congress didn't have the legal authority to make it. They sent a new le- policy letter claiming transgender activists uh, uh, had uh, are saying that schools throughout the country had to treat a person's so-called gender identity as conclusive when it came to assigning restrooms, locker rooms, shower facilities, housing, athletic teams, and single-sex classes. Now, all right, that was a violation of the con. All right, so first of all, you have the Department of Education. The the whole um, uh, Title IX nonsense is unconstitutional. The the the, the law that it, that encompasses it, the Department of Education itself, is unconstitutional. It doesn't legally exist because it's not authorized by the Constitution. Then you have a bureaucrat that says, "I'm going to rewrite the law. The law says sex, but I'm going to say sex means a bunch. It means whatever someone thinks they are." Now. In 2016, President Trump said he was going to, um, he said it was inappropriate for the Department of Education to regulate by letter. And in 2020, then Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos actually got these changes in Title IX actually into law. Right now, they say it was into law, but it really wasn't into law because these were regulations. See how the language regulations, ladies and gentlemen, are not law. Only Congress can make law. Regulations are made by by executive agencies. They are not law. But they thought, okay, now we'll do. We've done with it. Well, guess what? Didn't take very long for the Biden administration to announce that they wanted to get rid of DeVos's Title Nine rules and make up a whole new set of rules just by saying so. They wanted to go back to the idea that sex doesn't mean sex. Sex means emotion, what you, what you feel. You see how dangerous this is? First of all, you have how many billions of dollars have been sent, spent on a federal agency to do unconstitutional things. Everything the Department of Education does is unconstitutional, from accepting, from getting funded by Congress to issuing a rule or regulation. It's unconstitutional. That agency doesn't legally exist. But you see, we follow along because we've been told, oh yeah, that's fine. They can, they can do that. No, the Constitution says absolutely not. You can't do that because that's not a power delegated to the United States. Furthermore, you have these agencies' rules and regulations being treated as if they are law when they are not because the only people who can make law is Congress. And Congress was never delegated the, the, the ability to delegate their lawmaking power to somebody else. So that's unconstitutional. And now we are, here we're running around like we're, we're, our hair's on fire. Because every time you get a new president, they try to rule through an, un, through an unconstitutional agency to get the schools and, and the states to follow their political agenda. Whether that be Trump, Biden, Obama, 
They're all trying to push their own political agenda. Now, you may agree with the agenda or not. The point is, this is not legislating. This is not governing. This is ruling by edict. The Department of Education is not only unconstitutional, it works by taxation without representation, by taking money from the American people when they don't, the DOE does not represent, has no representative. They have no, they're never, they never stand for office. They're never elected to those positions. We, we hope that maybe a president might hold them accountable, but the people don't elect the president. The president is not a popularly elected office. He's elected by the states. Just read the first section of Article 2. See how this lack of understanding leads? Now, so I turn around and I, and I would love to tell my state, saying you not only should you not accept money from uh, the Department of Education, doing so makes you accessory to a crime. See, since Congress is spending money on a Department of Education, they're not legally authorized to. Remember, Congress can spend money, can collect taxes, do three things. Pay the debts of the United States, provide for the common defense of the United States, and the general welfare of the United States, capital U, capital S, proper noun. That's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, by the way. So every time the Department of Education sends out these bribes, they are committing embezzlement. Congress embezzles money to give to the Department of Education. The Department of Education then uses that money to bribe the states into complying with their policies. Do this or we take your money away. Which is, by the way, extortion. This whole thing revolves around our willingness to ignore the law, ignore the supreme law, ignore the Constitution. And then we're told we have to follow them because, well, they got elected? But you see, upon election, they took an oath to support the Constitution, which they are right now violating. Okay, let's take a look somewhere else. How about the southern border? This whole thing around Ingle Pass, to me, has been very... It's been interesting, what's been going on, because of the... Um, well, let's just say the opinions that don't really hold any water. See, the, since he got office, the Biden administration basically has refused to enforce the laws of the border. I mean, he simply made up rules and regulations and, and took the law that, and just said, no. And, and in his latest uh, uh, event says, I can't do anything about the border, even though I issued executive orders that opened the border. I cannot rescind those executive orders until Congress passes a law. Um, yeah, crazy. But it's pretty much well known that, that the Biden administration has refused to enforce the laws at the border. And now, with Eagle Pass, we say the Biden administration doesn't want other people to enforce it either. The Biden administration is suing the state of Texas for enforcing federal law. And state law, by the way. But here's an interesting twist. So the federal government says, listen, um, you can't put up razor wire. Does um, Texas have the legal authority, the, the legal right to say, uh, too bad, so sad, Constitution says otherwise, go pound sand? Yeah. Now, this case has gone to the Supreme Court, and um, the Supreme Court said uh, earlier 
that the injunction against the federal government cutting down concertina wire was being uh, uh, invalidated. Um, they still haven't dealt with the details of the case. But here's the question. If the court tells Texas, no, you have to leave your borders open because the president said so, is Texas legally bound to that decision? Well, technically, they're a party to a case. But guess what? That case is also unconstitutional. Because you are, not only is the Biden administration preventing others from enforcing the law, federal law, state law, they are preventing the, um, you get into the whole question of the, the Texas National Guard. There were people calling for the Texas National Guard to be, to be called up into federal service to prevent the, um, prevent the enforcement of federal law. Again, look at the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8. The militia can be called up to prevent invasion. But Biden administration wants to call the, the Texas National Guard up to allow invasion, to assist invasion. And by invasion, I'm, again, let me be specific, because I'm, you know me, I'm picking up words. I'm not talking about the people, the, 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 the millions of migrants, all the millions of migrants coming into this country. I'm specifically talking about members of the cartel that are smuggling people across the, the, the border, um, that uh, uh, are smuggling drugs across the border. They are enemies of the United States. But you've also got people from countries that have declared war and hostilities against the United States, making them public enemies as well. Meaning, if they come into the country, that's an invasion. So you have the, the, the unwillingness to enforce law, the willingness to use force to prevent others from enforcing law, the assist giving aid and comfort to enemies of the United States. Again, not the individual immigrants. I'm talking specifically about those in the cartel, those from foreign powers that are uh, actively hostile to the United States. You're giving aid and comfort to them to assist them into the country, which is the definition of treason in Article 3. Making war against the United States or giving aid and comfort to an enemy. I use those words specifically because again, I, I want to be detailed about words. But this is being done not by law, but by edicts from the White House. The White House can't make law. The White House's job, in fact, the president took an oath to faithfully execute the laws of the United States, which he has failed to do. Are we bound by his illegal actions? Are we bound by the illegal actions of the Department of Education? Are we bound by the illegal actions of the Supreme Court of the United States? Now, you may bind yourself. You may say, I'm going to follow them because I don't want to raise a ruckus. I don't want to cause any trouble. But are you legally bound to unconstitutional acts that are, by definition, void? See, that's the important point. Well, then who gets to define? If it's not the Supreme Court, who decides what's constitutional? Well. The Constitution is a compact between the states. The parties to that contract are the states of the United States. Who gets to decide the, the meaning of words within a compact? The parties to the compact. It means ultimately the states get to decide. Ultimately, it's the states' decisions because only the states can modify the Constitution. They are the only entities that can. So the real question is, 
Are you going to bind yourself to unconstitutional acts? Or are you willing to stand up against unconstitutional acts, acts that are void? Understand, there will be consequences. Everything has consequences. The consequence of standing up to an unconstitutional act may involve a lawsuit. It may involve criminal charges. It may involve fines. It may even involve jail time. Is that worth the cost? Because the consequences of not standing up to unconstitutional acts are the further tyranny that is rampant and running the United States of America. Now, I'll talk more about that after this break. Before I go, are you tired of being tired? Do you want to fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deeply so you can wake up refreshed? Well, check out Healthy Cells REM Sleep Supplement, the only supplement designed to support all four stages of sleep. And since you're an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. Get all the details at americaoutloud.shop. But my family uses REM sleep. I use REM sleep. Give it a try. Again, you can get 25% off your first order. Find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study today. We're looking at the dangers of blindly following others, and following laws that are void and empty, following edicts and, and decisions that 
are not laws and, and pretending they are. One of the ones we've I, I come up, I was talking at the end of the last segment about uh, the southern border. We were talking about uh, the laws and and the the how, how laws are being ignored and, and and all that. Well, I stumbled across this other little interesting tidbit. Um, apparently, the United Nations has been assisting people in entering the the United States illegally. Uh, they have uh, uh, what they call their uh, the United Nations um, Immigrant Organization for my I'm sorry International Organization for Migration IOM, and uh, they've been spending money to well assist people who are supposedly looking for refugee status. They're requesting if they're requesting a refugee status and they will get re resettled in the United States. Uh, the problem is we know that many of those requesting refugee status are not actually refugees. Most, As I understand it, most of those requesting asylum don't actually qualify for asylum. Uh, the, 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 this plan has uh, uh, allocated over $300 million in cash and vouchers to assist people during 2024 coming into, into um, the country. In fact, um, over 600,000, 624,000 migrants, basically the city of Detroit coming from Central and South America across the U.S. border. So it doesn't sound like the U.N. is very friendly to us and our borders. Here's what's interesting, though. Um, of that money, guess what? Much of it's coming from the United, from the United States taxpayer. So according to uh, USAspending.gov, Roughly one point three dollars in twenty twenty three had been spent um, given to the UN's uh, uh, international uh, organization for migration. That's right. We're paying. We're hoping to pay for our own invasion. How do you like that? Still think you need to follow those those illegal laws and and edicts. And even consider this. Um, I feel that there's a lot of places, a lot of people that I truly do feel for. But I have to ask you the question. Is funding refugees paying off the debts of the United States? No. Is it for the common defense of the United States? Seems not. Seems like it's being used to everything but the defense of the United States. It's to encourage people to enter the United States illegally. Is it for the general welfare of the United States? Not the people, not the states, the general welfare of the United States, the proper noun for the basically for the federal government. No. Well, then Congress is not author, authorized to collect taxes for it. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. But we're living with the consequences. Now, let's look at some other news while we're here. Um, last week, the House voted by a one-vote majority to impeach uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. It was 20, 214 to 213. Um, I know a lot of people, probably myself included, will call this a Pyrrhic victory. Right? Why? Well, you know the Senate's not going to do anything with this. The, the, the Senate is not going to convict him. I also don't know that uh, Secretary Mayorkas was the proper target for a lot of this. Um, and I'm not talking politically. I'm talking constitutionally. 
because Mr. Mayorkas was implementing policies given to him by his boss, the President of the United States. So there's that. But there is some important stuff. I, I, I don't think this was worthless. Now, the, the, the resolution that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced, that was awful. That was garbage. Um, and I panned it. When it came out, I reviewed it here on the radio. I panned it. Um, what came out of the committee to mark it up was much, much, much better. It, it, uh, it, it actually looked at um, crimes and misdemeanors committed by Mr. Mayorkas. Um, so, but again, we're talking about a political animal. You have the, um, because the House is marginally, has a, more uh, Republicans and Democrats, they won by the, the, the Republicans on a party-line vote, pretty much a party-line vote, um, got them impeached. The House or so the Senate is going to do pretty much the same thing. On pretty much a party line vote, they're going to vote not to. Uh, when they try the impeachment, they're going to find him not guilty and fine. But this is important for a reason. This is why I keep. I want to. I tied this to this blindly following. See, I hear all the time about we shouldn't bother because we're not going to win. I heard plenty of people saying the, the 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 House Republicans should pay no attention should should drop this this impeachment because there's no way they're going to win in the Senate. And I pointed out to people I said, if you only do the right thing because you know you're going to win, then you'll never do the right thing because you'll almost never be sure that you're going to win. See if you have the the character I'm looking for. In a representative is someone who's going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. They're going to stand up for the Constitution because it's the right thing, not because they know they're going to win. They're going to they're going to stand up and take a stand, like like John Quincy Adams, who for seventeen years on the floor of the House of Representatives tried to get a bill that would have uh, uh, criminalized the slave trade, that would have abolished the slave trade in this country. And he couldn't get it through the House because the majority of the people in the House were pro-slavery. He submitted them, he submitted bills and resolutions, he had speeches. And after 17 years, he was asked, why do you keep doing this? You never win. You ne why? And his answer was, duty is ours. Results are God's. And we have a duty to do what is right, not because we know we're going to win, simply because it is right. It is just. Interesting thing is, um, Mr. Adams is, uh, the younger Adams, protege was Abraham Lincoln, who would help abolish the slave trade and make slavery illegal in these states. See, what you don't realize is there may be more here, the exp exposing more of what uh, this administration is doing, both you know, through uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Is that not the right thing to do? And as I said, there will be consequences. And those consequences won't always be right. They won't always be just, but they will be. 
Now, a perfect example came from the defamation case against um, uh, Mark Stein and Rand Simberg. This goes back to climate scientist Michael Mann. And he, he published a graph about temperature change and all that, what became known as the infamous hockey stick graph. And uh, he used it to argue in support of anthropogenic uh, or man-made global warming. Well, Mr. Stein and, and who, I'm not sure who he worked for. He's a pundit, I believe. Rand Simberg, who is a, a writer at the Competitive Energize Institute, um, they disagreed. They published information uh, criticizing the graph and uh, uh, pointing out flaws in the graph. Now, Mr. Mann didn't appreciate this, so he sued them for defamation, which is any intentionally false in, uh, 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 communication that harms a person's reputation. Well, guess what? Recently, a, a DC jury, after 12 long years, said, yes, the, these, these two gentlemen defamed Mr. Mann. Now, of course, you have First Amendment issues, right? You have things like freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Um, again, was, it in, was their communication intentionally false? Did they provide false information? Or is it simply information that disagreed with Mr. Mann? There's a lot of interest. There's, there's a lot of concerns and, and questions about how the jury got to this decision, not the least of which is the jury was in Washington, D.C., rather a hotbed of, um, well, if not specifically climate activism, certainly uh, um, uh, people with a, a more uh, Marxist tendency that would be uh, agreeable to the idea of, of uh, uh, climate change. But we don't know because I don't know who the jury is. But there's a cost. Mr. Stein was ordered to pay Mr. Mann $1 million in punitive damages. Mr. Simberg, $1,000. There was a cost. Now, hopefully, I'm, I'm assuming Stein was prepared to pay such a cost. And that includes, by the way, the, the cost of attorney's fees and other costs for running the trial and, 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 and all that. And then, of course, you've got the cost of um, the infringement on his, on his freedom of speech. Again, this wasn't a law passed by Congress, but the, 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 Mr. These, these two gentlemen um, are, are paying a substantial cost, Mr. Stein and Mr. Simberg. But what would happen if these men didn't, weren't willing to, to suffer those costs? What, what if they simply said, listen, um, we may not win in court, so we won't tell everybody about the flaws in Mr. Mann's projections. So I don't know if it was, if it was, um, if it was Stein and Simberg that mentioned it, but I've seen the stories that show how Mr. Mann's graph is in, uniquely focused on an area, uh, a very relatively small area of the data that shows his quote-unquote hockey stick that ignores other data that, sh that that was readily available, that was around it, but wasn't included. So there was a benefit. I believe the nation and the world benefited from Mark Stein and Ransenberg's re reporting, what they wrote, what they let people know. And they've paid a price. Which brings me to the question, what price will you pay?
See, in in in, in the um in the national anthem, we talk about us being the land of the free and the home of the brave. We've all heard it. Freedom is not free. There's a price to be paid to be free. There's a price that each and every one of us must pay to be free. Now, thankfully, the vast majority of us will not have to pay a million dollars in punitive damages because of a court case. But there is a price to be free. That price starts with the bravery to stand up for what is right, what is true, not what is convenient, not what somebody tells you, what you can prove. It's why I say, if you're going to stand up, if you're going to uh, uh, point out the, the flaws, the criminality of these federal departments, of the unconstitutional acts of, of courts and agencies and, and laws and so on that. You really need to build your argument on a solid foundation. I use the example of the, the parable of the two builders from the Bible, where Jesus said, you know, one man built his house upon the rock, and the other man built his house upon the sand. And when the storms came and the wind blew, the man who built his house upon the rock, the house stood. The man who built his house upon the sand, his house crumbled. It's the same thing with, with these arguments you use when you stand up and say no. If all you're doing is saying no because, well, I said so, or Paul said so, or, or I read it in this book, you're building your house upon the sand. When you do it based on facts and data, when you quote the Constitution, the Supremacy Clause, the Tenth Amendment, when you're quoting our founding fathers or, or, or Supreme Court opinions that show the details, that is a strong foundation. That is the rock. It doesn't mean the storms won't show. It doesn't mean you're going to get wet and you're going to get blown on and it's going to be hard and it's going to be scary and it's going to be maybe even be dangerous. But if you build your argument upon the rock, your house is more likely to stand. Again, I talk about this in the boot camp for the Patriots program. Find out more at constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. Take the boot camp. It's absolutely free, ladies and gentlemen. doesn't cost you a nickel. And you can see what I'm talking about when I talk about, I, I use the exa that example and what I'm talking about, how we build our arguments, our, our positions upon the rock so that they can survive the storms. But if you're like, I, I used to have a dog that hated going out in the rain. I, I, don't, I have no idea how big this dog's bladder was because if it was raining, it was all you could do. To, she would not go out if it was raining. If that's you, if you're hiding from the storm, if you're afraid of the storm, well, then your house is going to crumble because you're being led you're not living free. You're being led by somebody else. If you're not brave enough to be free, that's your choice. I, I, I'm not saying that you, you can't do that. That is your choice. But for those of us that are willing to live free, that are brave enough to stand up and say, no, I did not authorize that. No, the Constitution forbids that. I hope you'll join us as we continue to build our arguments, our houses, our positions, our futures upon the rock of truth.
You can find out more right here every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. The Constitution Study is also on podcast. You can listen to your favorite podcast app, but the, and the episodes generally come out a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. But please subscribe to the show. Leave the episodes ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well, which means we help other people find truth, justice, and the American way. We help other people find how to build their arguments upon the rock so that more of us can stand for what is for freedom and for truth. You can find all the links you need at the homepage of AmericaOutloud.news. But do me a favor. That's knowledge. But that knowledge doesn't become powerful until you use it. You do something with it. So I'm going to ask you to share. Share the links, share the articles, share the episodes, share the information. That act of sharing is how we turn the knowledge of the truth into the bravery and the power to share the blessings of liberty. Liberty. 